Joe Biden is facing intense scrutiny for behavior that he has been exhibiting in public, including on the world's largest stage, for the past 40 years. If I didn't know any better, I would say that maybe this is just a cynical attack. But what do I know? We will analyze Joe Biden's hashtag MeToo moment. Then AOC hits prime time on left-wing cable news, and a New York Times columnist dumps his girlfriend because she's white. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. I can't believe you're going to make me defend Joe Biden. I know, I tweeted this out today. I said, I'm going to be defending Joe Biden on my show. Be sure to tune in. They said, oh, Michael, that's a funny April Fool's joke. I said, oh, oh, that adds insult to injury. I not only have to defend Joe Biden, I have to defend him on April Fool's Day, which seems like it's an April Fool's joke from me. Really, it's just an April Fool's joke from the news cycle making me defend him because this latest spate of attacks saying that he's some sexual predator seems to me a little more cynical than it does some grand expose of a guy who's been in politics for 40 years. We will try to play fair, but first, let's make a little money, honey, with Zip Recruiter. Hiring can be very hard. Multiple job sites, stacks of resumes, a confusing review process. But today, hiring can be easy. All you have to do is go to that one place to get it done, ziprecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't just stop there. They don't just throw spaghetti at the wall. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within just the first day. Right now, my listeners get to try ZipRecruiter for free at the exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, ZipRecruiter.com slash Knowles, ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Creepy Uncle Joe. The question is, is Joe Biden some long-standing sexual assailant who's been operating right under our nose for the past 40 years, or... Is he being attacked through the Me Too movement by other jealous politicians who want to kick him out of the 2020 race? That is the question. Look, I am more than happy as a conservative to sit back and watch the left destroy itself. I am more than happy to see a bunch of mud slung on Joe Biden because I don't like Joe Biden because Joe Biden is an awful, cynical politician. He's dreadful. He's a a demagogue. He has stoked racial division, among other sorts of division. I don't like Joe Biden, but I have to be fair. And I think that this attack is BS. It's not an April Fool's joke. That's really what I think. The whole affair began because The Cut, I'd have never heard of The Cut before, but I guess it's some online publication. They just published a piece called An Awkward Kiss Changed How I Saw Joe Biden. Who was airing this? This was aired by a woman named Lucy Flores. 
Lucy Flores was a Nevada State Assemblywoman. She ran for Lieutenant Governor of Nevada in 2014. This is, I guess, when she met Joe Biden and had this harrowing experience of Joe Biden putting his hands on her shoulders. And then she ran again for Congress in 2016. She lost in the primary there. So she's had a number of failed runs for office. She had a low-level office that she held in Nevada. And now this is her big moment. She endorsed Bernie Sanders in 2016. Now Bernie Sanders, as you know, is running for president in 2020. And Joe Biden wants to run for president in 2020. And conveniently, now they are portraying Joe Biden out to be some sexual deviant. Here is what she wrote. Quote, As I was taking deep breaths and preparing myself to make my case to the crowd, she was about to go on stage at a political event, I felt two hands on my shoulders. I froze. Why is the vice president of the United States touching me? I felt him get closer to me from behind. He leaned further in and inhaled my hair. I was mortified. I thought to myself, I didn't wash my hair today. And the vice president of the United States is smelling it. And also, what in the actual F? I'll just take a pause from reading this. What a stupid phrase this is that you hear people. They say, what the actual F? First of all, if you're a public figure, don't put swear words in print. It's unbecoming. It's very undignified, and it's stupid. It makes you sound stupid. Don't do it. But to say what the actual F is such a trite, empty... It, it takes an empty statement and makes it emptier. Somehow, I don't know how, it's like negative space is occupied by that statement. It's so awkward. It's so millennial. It's just terrible. It's an awful phrase. And so she uses this, this woman who wants to be lieutenant governor and congressman or whatever. She uses this stupid language. Then, then she gets to the point, though. Why is the vice president of the United States smelling my hair? He proceeded to plant a big, slow kiss on the back of my head. My brain couldn't process what was happening. I was embarrassed. I was shocked. I was confused. There is a Spanish saying, tragame tierra. It means earth, swallow me whole. I couldn't move and I couldn't say anything. I wanted nothing more than to get Biden away from me. There's so many problems with what she just wrote. First of all, she says, there is an, a Spanish expression, which means earth swallow me whole. But you're writing in English. You could just use the English phrase, earth swallow, I wanted the earth to swallow me whole. Okay, I'm nitpicking on the language points here to make a broader point. What actually happened? She was at a political event. Joe Biden comes up behind her, puts his hands on her shoulders, smells her hair, which is pretty weird, and then gives her a kiss on the back of the head. Not a kiss on the back of the neck, not a kiss on the cheek, not a kiss on the lips. He doesn't turn her down like they just won World War II and he plants a big wet one in the French style. No. little kiss on the back of the head. Does that mean that what Joe Biden does isn't really weird? No. It is really weird. Does it mean that Joe Biden doesn't get a little too much in people's comfort zones and in their personal space. Yeah, he obviously does. How do we know that he does this? Because he's been doing it for years and years and it's become a big joke on TV. But the question is, what actually happened here? Listen to her language. I froze. I was mortified. What the actual F? I was confused. I was shocked. The earth should swallow me whole. Why? Because some guy put his hands on your shoulders? Give me a break. Here is Lucy Flores going on CNN to talk about her harrowing two hands on her shoulder from the vice president.
I do want to take a moment to acknowledge it's not easy to do what you're doing, and, and I thank you for coming on and having the courage to do so. But w what are you looking for from the vice president here, Vice President Biden? Are you looking for an apology? Are you looking for him to change his behavior? What, what's the end game here? What do you want? Absolutely. I would. Yes, of course, I want him to change his behavior and I want him to acknowledge that it was wrong. And I want this to be a bigger discussion about how there is no accountability structure within our political space, either for for instances in which women feel um, that there was inappropriate behavior or more serious instances in allegations of sexual assault, etc. We are we are not protected in politics. And, and frankly, on a much larger scale, we also need to have a conversation about powerful men feeling that they have um, that they have the right to invade a woman's space whenever they'd like. So that's what this is about. This is about not what Joe Biden did. This is about the larger point. That's whenever someone says, and the larger point. What they're really saying is this particular instance, don't pay too much attention to. I'm trying to make a bigger point. This is BS. And don't just take my word for it. Uh, one of the women in one of the most famous creepy Joe massaging your shoulders moments, Stephanie Carter, is calling this BS as well. You'll remember when Ash Carter was being sworn in as Secretary of Defense, his wife was there and Joe Biden <laughs> was very creepily sort of massaging her shoulders and whispering something in her ear. The meme went viral, obviously, we post that all the time. She just posted on Medium a long piece, she said, the Me Too story that wasn't me. And now she begins, she says, let me state up front that I don't know Lucy Flores, but I absolutely support her right to speak her truth, and she should be, like all women, believed. But her story is not mine. So here you, on the one hand, she says, oh, this, it, she's a woman, so this woman has to be believed because she's a woman. Women can't lie. They're not biologically capable of it. How, how on earth could a woman lie? She would have to say something dishonest in order to lie. Women can't do that. So she should be believed. She's completely right, except, but her story's total BS. And then she goes on to explain why it's BS. So, so Stephanie Carter is explaining this moment here. She says, by the time then-Vice President Biden had arrived, he could sense I was uncharacteristically nervous and quickly gave me a hug. After the swearing-in, as Ash was giving remarks, he leaned in to tell me, thank you for letting him do this, and kept his hands on my shoulders as a means of offering his support. But a still shot taken from a video, misleadingly extracted from what was a longer moment between close friends, sent out in a snarky tweet, came to be the lasting image of the day. Stephanie Carter is not the only woman defending Joe Biden. Here's Mika Brzezinski defending Joe Biden as well on Morning Joe. I, I don't. Is it an assault? What I'm not sure what she was describing. So we'll we'll listen and um, try and understand where this conversation goes from here. There's a lot of things I know about Joe Biden. I've known him for a long time. He is extremely affectionate, extremely flirtatious in a completely safe way. Um, I am sure that somebody can misconstrue something he's done, but as much as I can know what's in anyone's heart, I, I don't think that there's a, 
uh, bad intent on his part at all. And I read the account, and I was like, yeah, that's Joe Biden, um, but never thought for a second that he meant anything from it except to be, to be nice, to be kind. So she's defending him, and now I get why conservatives want to pounce on the Joe Biden story, because Joe Biden is a jerk, because there's a total double standard. Imagine if a Republican politician was massaging girls' shoulders and smelling their hair and stuff at campaign stops. The, the guy would be crucified in the mainstream media. But because Joe Biden is Joe Biden and because he's a Democrat, Mika Brzezinski says, oh, he's a great guy. The Washington Post says he's a nice guy. The Washington Post headline on this was, quote, Joe Biden's affectionate physical style with women comes under scrutiny. Imagine what they would say about a Republican. They'd say, this predator, this assailant was endangering the lives of women. He must be behind bars. But not for Joe Biden. However, we've got to be fair here. Because as much as I want to use whatever cudgel I can against Joe Biden, this is, it seems to me, not a fair attack. Let's see. The best evidence we've got that Joe Biden is, is a sexual assailant, deviant, who's on the loose for 40 years, comes from Paul Joseph Watson. He put together a supercut of all these weird Biden moments of massaging girls' shoulders and stuff. And here's just a little clip of that. And it is very creepy, I admit. In this clip, Biden appears to grope the chest area of a little girl. The close-up shows her visibly pull away right as it happens. But I'm sure that's completely normal. Biden seems to have a thing for touching, smelling, and stroking girls' hair, as seen in this clip. But I'm sure that's completely normal. In this clip, Biden strokes the girl's hair before whispering something in her ear. He then asks for a picture with the girl alone. Can I go with Jess alone? Senator Jim Risch then says, Dad's going to stand pretty close. Dad's going to stand pretty close. <laughs> Biden appears to tell the girl, quote, if I was young. By the way, if I was young, I'd have to choose partners. Okay, that's the clip. Admittedly, it's weird behavior that is no longer acceptable on campaign trails or elsewhere. However, however, the question is, is Joe Biden a sexual predator or is Joe Biden an overly flirtatious, kind of weird, awkward, somewhat creepy politician? It's one of those two. I think the evidence is pretty clear that it is the latter. Here's why. How many politicians have sex scandals? How many have mistresses, illegitimate kids, their Elliot Spitzer going to $15,000 hookers every night, uh, Bill Clinton obviously sleeping with every woman under the sun? All those guys have had long uh, sex scandal histories. What do we know from Joe Biden? Have we heard of massive Joe Biden sex scandals? Have we heard of Joe Biden going to hookers up in Albany like Elliot Spitzer? Have we heard of Joe Biden sneaking around the White House and bagging interns 
and, you know, any of those things? No, we haven't. All of, all of the evidence that Joe Biden is some sexual deviant is because on camera during political events, he is grabbing girls' hair, not, not you know, not ripping it, but uh, massaging girls' hair, smelling their hair, uh, hugging them. I don't know. That, okay, that's the... If Joe Biden were some crazy sexual predator deviant, would he be doing all of these things on cameras, on C-SPAN all of the time? If he thought that he were doing some sort of deviant behavior, don't you think he might have said, hey, maybe we'll get the C-SPAN cameras off before I kiss a girl on the back of the head or something? And if there, there was that image in, or that vid, part of Paul Joseph Watson's video where he's talking to the teenage girl, the daughter of the senator, and he says, you know, if I were a younger man, I, I want to get a picture with you. Is he really saying I want to date a 16-year-old? I, a 70-year-old man, I, the Vice President of the United States, really want to date a 16-year-old? Or is he being an overly flirtatious, unctuous politician? I think it's obviously the latter. When we're all being honest with ourselves, we know it's the latter, but we don't want to admit that because we don't like Joe Biden and we want to take him down a peg. And it's particularly enjoyable because in this case, it's not Republicans going after him. It's the left that's going after him. And why now? This is the other great evidence in Joe Biden's defense. This weird stuff has been on camera for 40 years. The neck massages and the kiss on the back of the head. That stuff's the whispering in your ear when you're being sworn in. That's been on camera for 40 years. The man was head of the Senate Judiciary Committee, Senator Forever. He was a vice president. He's run for president twice already. He's about to run for a third time. Why is it coming out now? Because he's about to run for a third time. If Joe Biden had said, you know, I'm not going to run for president, do you think this stuff would be coming out? No. If Joe Biden had said, I'm not going to run for president, do you think Elizabeth Warren would be coming out saying, we need a full investigation, we need to figure out what Joe Biden's been doing? No. It's obviously a cynical attack. But I think this is the bad, it's a bad route to go down. One, because most people know that this is fairly disingenuous. Two, because it minimizes actual sexual assailants, like, I don't know, Anthony Weiner, for instance, or Bill Clinton, who legitimately are sexual predators, and Joe Biden is an, a flirtatious guy who says, hey, you, if I were a younger man, if I wasn't married, ha ha, wink, wink, give me your vote, father, ha ha ha. It, it really minimizes that, and I, I don't think that's a good thing either. And also because Joe Biden is a terrible executive who would push terrible policies, that's why we should go after him. Joe Biden, do you remember, I think, what was it, last week, Joe Biden said, we need to end English jurisprudence, because English jurisprudence, by which he means Anglo-American jurisprudence, is a white man's culture, and therefore we've got to get past it. English jurisprudence is the presumption of innocence. It's due process. It's, all, it's equality before the law. These are wonderful things. These are things that we should defend. And this schmuck, Joe Biden, is calling for the obliteration of it. That's why we should go after him. But not some disingenuous Me Too hit job. Why didn't this girl, Lucy Flores, why didn't she go after Joe Biden in 2014 when she was having him help her run for lieutenant governor of, of Nevada? Why didn't she go after him in 2016 when she was running for Congress? Why is she going after him right now? Why is this outspoken Bernie Sanders supporter going after one of Bernie Sanders' opponents right now? Because the moral hazard of the Me Too moment 
is that any guy you want, you can take down for any reason. This is not to downplay either Joe's creepiness and unctuousness. It's also not to downplay legitimate instances of sexual harassment and sexual assault. Quite, quite the contrary. I think that's what the Me Too movement does, is it delegitimizes all of those things. Because what we're seeing here is that for any reason at all, what did Joe Biden do? What is he being accused of doing? Is he being accused of sleeping with another man's wife? No. Is he being accused of sneaking around on his own wife and going to hotel rooms and all that kind of stuff? No. He's being accused of putting his hands on people's shoulders and smelling their hair, super weird but not sexual assault, and kissing them on the head sometimes. Also, if you were kissing them on the mouth, that's one thing, but when, when you see your grandfather, do you, your grandfather might give you a little kiss on the head. That's, that's, that's a sign of affection. When you see someone just at, a, at an event, let's say it's a professional event or a personal social event, you can shake a hand, I guess you can give them a high five, or you can do what is very common, which is a sort of half hug and a little kiss on the cheek, but you're not really kissing on the cheek. You're just putting your cheeks together and sort of kissing out in the air and giving the sound of a kiss. It's vaguely European, but people do it all the time. Oh, so good to see you. You're not, at, you're not even kissing them. That is much closer to what Joe Biden is doing than Joe Biden clubbing a girl over the head and dragging her off to a hotel room. I think we all know that and we can all admit that. But we shouldn't take the short-term political attack here for this ability to knock down Joe Biden a little bit. It's very easy to knock down Joe Biden. Joe Biden is a joke. He ran for president in 1988. He failed because he was a plagiarist. He ran in 2008. He failed. He only got vice president because Barack Obama hated Hillary Clinton so much. He's going to run again. He's going to fail again. He's not going to get the nomination. If he does get the nomination, he's not going to beat Donald Trump. We don't need to use this cynical attack because what it will do is legitimize the worst excesses of the Me Too movement. I know people who have been Me Too, le legitimately Me Too, like men have sexually harassed them at work and it's caused them personal distress and, and professional distress. We should not water down legitimate instances of that by allowing people, consequence-free, to use sexual assault, whatever that means these days, as a political cudgel to attack your opponents. It's, it is not a fair attack on Joe Biden. He's creepy. He's dumb. He's a bad politician. Well, he's a good politician, but he's bad in his effect on the politics of the United States. He's made the most radical campaign statement I've ever heard any presidential candidate make in my entire life. He's unctuous. He almost certainly has fake teeth. He's basically just a walking smile. There are so many ways to attack Joe Biden. But this is not a fair one. Speaking of fair attacks, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was on MSNBC for a town hall just the other day. It is, I wish we could play the whole thing because you could go through every sentence and parse every single sentence of it. But here she is for the first time addressing her most radical proposal, which has now been embraced by every candidate virtually running for president as a Democrat. It is being co-sponsored by every Senate Democrat who's running for president, and yet not a single person in the Senate voted for the Green New Deal, and she encouraged them not to. She's got a lot of splaining to do. Here is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez trying to explain the bungled rollout of her signature policy proposal. 
I mean, on the concern trolling, there are people that you guys issued an FAQ. It had some things that people yeah. thought were ridiculous and radical, like yeah, totally. anyone that was uh, unable or unwilling to work would mm -hmm. be guaranteed a job. Yeah, the yeah. FAQ was withdrawn and said it was preliminary, a draft. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of fight about that. Like, yeah. do you do you think you guys rolled it out the right way? Did you well, bring it out any on yourself? What I will say is that there, I definitely had a staffer that had a very bad day at work. <laughs> and, um, and did release a, a working draft early. So I get that that's what they're seizing on. Um, but really what we need to do is have a serious conversation. And, um, and even in, in those draft versions, what they were talking about and, uh, is really about the fact that we need to innovate on our technology. You know, right. obviously, like I had a Stafford, you know, release a document that talked about cow flatulence, but... Um, which is an issue, I just want to say. That's your explanation? A staffer had a bad day at work and released your signature policy proposal, which you admittedly wrote, and then you guys touted it for several days, and then you walked it back? That's your... A low-level staffer? Give me a break. That's weak sauce even when it's true. This uh, obviously is not true. Because is she saying, I oppose the Green New Deal now? She's saying that there was draft legislation that they had been writing, and then a staffer had a bad day at work and released it. First of all, what does that mean, a bad day at work? He was really angry at AOC, so he released her stupid policy proposal? Or he had a bad day by definition because he accidentally released this, and then they just all accidentally touted it for several days and, and weeks before they had to walk it back accidentally. That was the bad day. What was the bad day that makes you release on multiple platforms your signature policy proposal that you've been talking about for weeks that you wrote? Pretty weak sauce. But then the second question, which a legitimate journalist would have asked her, obviously she was talking to Chris Hayes, so that wasn't going to happen, but a real journalist would have asked her, okay, a staffer released this proposal for the Green New Deal. You now apparently are upset about that. Do you oppose the draft legislation of the Green New Deal? Do you, what specifically do you oppose in the draft legislation? Because she's saying, oh, yes, no, it was, it was draft. It was a staffer that released it. No, it, no, no, no. Say, okay, well, let's just go through it. Do you still believe that the world is going to end in 12 years? Well, yes. Do you still believe that we need to eliminate 88% of American energy? Well, yes. Do you still believe that we need to destroy or retrofit every building in the entire country? Well, yes. Do you still believe, do you still believe, do you still believe? And she'll say yes to everything. Or she'll say no, of course not. But... Either way, you can't blame it on a low-level staffer. We're talking about the ideas themselves. And she actually doubles down on one of the ideas in the interview. Says, AOC, is the world going to end in 12 years? But climate change is different because we have an expiration date. And the IPCC report says we've got 12 years to turn it around. Yeah. 12 years. So... My concern is that we are going to be the frog in the pot of boiling water 
and we are going to debate and debate and debate and debate and debate. And then when we actually finally pass something, it is a wimpy carbon tax and our kids are doomed. The threshold now is, what are we, we got 12 years to cut emissions in half. And if you want to jump into that debate, great. That's what the debate is. Like, that's the debate. You want to get in the pool, then get in the pool and we'll have a debate. Wait, 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 wait. AOC is just saying that now we are going to die in 12 years. The UN says it. We're all going to die. We're the frog in the water. And we need to pass major sweeping legislation now. And her fear is that debate, 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 debate will take too long and will water down the legislation so that we won't be able to save the planet. But just last week, Mitch McConnell put up for a vote the Green New Deal as she wrote it. Not one jot or tittle did he change. The full sweeping proposal, no debate. And what did AOC say? She said, we need debate. We need to have a real debate. She says perfectly opposite things about precisely the same thing days apart with no consequence whatsoever. So a real journalist... Again, obviously, Chris Hayes, so not going to get it. But a real journalist would say, AOC, if you're afraid that we'll have too much debate and that will take too long and water down the legislation, then how come last week you urged your Senate colleagues to vote, to not vote for the legislation precisely because we need more debate on it? Can you explain that? And she would say, bah, 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 bah. why didn't you vote? Why didn't you vote? We'll get to her explanation of the cost, by the way. We'll get to her explanation of how sweeping it's going to be in just one second. Then we've got to get to Unplanned, a fabulous pro-life movie that is absolutely killing it at the box office. That was a pretty dark pun, completely unintended. But it's doing great at the box office. The critics hate it. Audiences love it. The entire social media apparatus is trying to shut it down, and it's winning anyway. And then, if we have time, we'll talk to, we'll we'll explain why a New York Times columnist dumped his girlfriend because she's white. But first, you got to go to DailyWire.com. Go over there; it's ten bucks a month, one hundred dollars for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Clavin Show, you get the Ben Shapiro Show, you get to ask questions in the mailbag, you get the Matt Walsh Show, you get to ask questions backstage, you get another kingdom, you get all of you get the leftist tears Tumblr. Don't wait. Don't, I know that you want to debate this with your significant other. You want to debate this with your spouse. You say, Should we pay the 10 bucks a month? Should we not pay? Debate, 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 debate. And then there is a ticking time bomb here, folks. Because if you don't get that tumbler in time, you're going to drown in leftist tears. We need action now. Go to dailywire.com and subscribe. We will be right back. So she doesn't vote, or she she doesn't uh, advocate that her colleagues in the Senate vote for the Green New Deal. It hasn't been brought up for a vote in the House yet. She's now blaming a staffer for releasing the plan. She's saying, oh, no, no, that wasn't the plan. But she still hasn't refuted any aspects of it. The cost of the plan is still $93 trillion. How is she going to pay for it? They say, oh, it's going to cost, uh, you know, a bazillion dollars. Like, they sound like Dr. Evil, right, like $100 yeah. million. Dollars. And how about we start by fully, fun- fully funding the, the pensions of coal miners in West Virginia? How about, 
we start by rebuilding Flint? You know, let's just start yeah. right now. What? Come again? Excuse me? She says, oh, there were so many levels to this. She says, those, those Republicans are saying it's going to cost a bazillion dollars. No, we're not. We're saying it'll cost $93 trillion, which is just the cost of all the programs that you clearly outlined in your document. $93 trillion. Then she says, you know, they sound like Dr. Evil, $100 million. No, I wish it cost $100 million. If your stupid program cost $100 million, I'd basically say, okay, deal with it. That's fine. You can, if you can have some aspects of it for $100 million. It doesn't. It costs orders of magnitude more than that. Many orders of magnitude, not $100 million, not a billion dollars, not $10 billion, not $100 billion, not $1 trillion, not $10 trillion, nearly, did you count all those orders of magnitude there? Nearly $100 trillion, many, many orders of magnitude more than you're joking about right there. And so she says, eh, but oh, who cares how we're going to pay for it? I mean, this has been her line the whole time. Stop asking how we're going to pay for it. La, 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 I can't hear you. Okay, well, then what does that look like practically? She goes, let's just start by fulfilling all of our unfunded pension liabilities. Start by, that's the biggest financial problem in the entire country. Hold on. So you want to spend nearly $100 trillion on a new program and in order to achieve that, $100 trillion, we would have to take all tax receipts to the federal government for 32 years, cancel the entire government, disband the military. For 32 years, we still probably wouldn't be able to cover it, and the entire economy would crash long, long before then. But you want to take that, the biggest spending proposal ever in American domestic spending, by a long shot, and before you do that, you want to deal with the single toughest fiscal problem facing the country. And then, and then also before you institute the Green New Deal, you want to fix Flint, Michigan, whatever that means. I'm happy to fix Flint, Michigan, too. That's a town that's been run by Democrats for, I don't know, since the Stone Age. So I guess one way to do it is you guys should stop destroying Flint, Michigan and, and have decent governance, and then, it, then you'll fix it. That's one way to do it. She just says things. I mean, this is, when we talk about AOC and, and the, the trouble with her, what's so troubling about her, it's not just the ignorance. It's the blithe ignorance. It's the casual ignorance. It's the proud ignorance. Because what's so troubling about AOC is that when she speaks, you get the sense that she doesn't care what the truth is. Actually, she's told us this. She said, oh, I don't care if I'm factually correct. I'm morally right. Which is not possible to be morally right. You have to be factually correct. But she, she speaks as though words don't mean anything. She just says words. Yeah, how are we going to fund... I don't know. I mean, what's what, 93 trillion? That's like 100 million or a bazillion or a good. She's basically Congressman Andy Kaufman. She just speaks in gibberish. Yeah, well, how are you going to institute that massive carbon tax? 
How are you going to eliminate 88% of American energy? Uh, p pension liabilities. What was that? Constitutional. Uh, Ma'am, you're just saying words. Due process. Due process monetary policy. IMF. No, ma'am, you're just saying words that don't mean anything. And just because you put them together, that doesn't make it a sentence. Certainly doesn't make it an idea. Don't worry, though, on this stream of being factually incorrect in her moral crusades. AOC then finally puts herself into making a very clear historical claim. Uh, the one problem with that, of course, is that it's completely incorrect. When our party was boldest, the time of the New, New Deal, the Great Society, the Civil Rights Act, and so on, we had and carried supermajorities in the House, in the Senate. We carried the presidency. They had to amend the Constitution of the United States to make sure Roosevelt did not get reelected. And uh, we, you know, there were so many extraordinary things that were happening in that time that were uniting working people. Wow, wow, that's a history lesson. I don't know, I studied history in college, and I don't remember that lesson. Because the way I thought it happened is that Franklin Roosevelt died in office in 1945, and then the 22nd Amendment was ratified in 1947, two years later. That's what I, I guess that's just what I, because I'm, I'm still in the world of the, what is factually correct. I didn't, I, I, I guess I'm not living in this uh, divorced, bizarro world where you're morally right but factually incorrect. She's saying that they passed an amendment to prevent Franklin Roosevelt from being reelected. The amendment she's referring to, term limits for the president, was not passed until two years after Franklin Roosevelt died. The only thing that prevented Franklin Roosevelt from f f serving his term or being reelected was his, uh, his weak ticker, which gave up while he was in his mistress's arms, speaking of Me Too and <laughs> impropriety by Democrat politicians. So obviously, that's just one example. It's so obvious to, and easy to point to that one because when she does make an explicit statement, she's almost always demonstrably incorrect. This is proof, though, in a broader sense, that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is not a right-wing creation. People say sometimes, they'll say, Michael, you've written multiple columns about AOC. You've talked about her on your show. You're obsessed with her. You're creating her. You're the only reason she gets media attention. That isn't true. She's an interesting character because she takes leftism to its logical conclusion, which is a bunch of incoherent lies and fantasies. But So that's sort of interesting to analyze. But it's not just us giving her attention. It's not even primarily us giving her attention. This wasn't a Daily Wire town hall with AOC. This wasn't a Fox News town hall with AOC. This was an MSNBC town hall with AOC. How about CNN? This is CNN describing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in 2019. Neil, I want to turn and, and get one more topic in here all fast. The Republican Party yeah. versus Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the freshman uh, Democrat in Congress from New York. Take a look at the crowd when Donald Trump Jr. appeared at a campaign-style rally for his dad earlier this week. Hey, 
air chanting her initials. You heard the word that followed. And today, Ocasio-Cortez responded by saying this is a pattern among those on the right, including the president. And she added that the president doesn't have another woman, Hillary Clinton or whoever else, to vilify anymore. Nia Malika, why is she such a magnet for conservatives? Well, she's incredibly charismatic. Uh, she is in some ways a symbol of where the country is going in terms of demographics. Uh, here she is, a young Latina woman who upset uh, a Democrat in New York, and she's in incredibly eloquent in terms of talking about Democratic Party values. She's eloquent? She's articulate? Have you lost your mind? This is the woman who, in a major interview transformed into the Kashmir Sai Habada girl. Said, I'm the boss. I'm the boss. I'm not the expert. Million zillion. That apparently she's really articulate. Also on that point, she said, she represents the future of where this country's headed demographically because she's a woman. I, there are as many women today as there were 50 years ago. There aren't more women today. It's not like, we're not... We're not importing hordes of women immigrants. That's not, the country is not moving demographically to women. <laughs> women make up about, and I'm just doing rough calculations here, about half of the population. And so that's not changing. So she's young. Where the, the country isn't moving demographically young. Actually, the country is moving demographically very old because no one's having any kids anymore. We now have below replacement birth rates. We have a 1.7 uh, birth rate per couple. So actually, demographically, the country's moving old. Never mind. What she's really saying is she's Hispanic, and we're importing a ton of Hispanic immigrants, and our politics are primarily racially based here at CNN, and so she represents the future because her name is Ocasio-Cortez. That's really what she's saying. It's a minor point, and she tries to gussy it up in this other language, but all she's saying is she's Hispanic. That's the future. More Hispanics. More racial politics. That's what she's saying. But... But LOL, to say she's, it's because she's eloquent and articulate. That's why Republicans have made her this big star. No, you did. You're talking about her. You're the one talking about how wonderful she is. MSNBC had a town hall with her, and Tom Perez, the head of the Democrat Party, said she is the future of the party. We didn't do this. We're responding. We're discussing. We're commenting on her because that's our job. But you're the ones who made her the star. The reason they do this is so that Democrats can have all the political advantages of her, but none of the political liabilities. We didn't make her a star. Oh, yeah, she doesn't really seem to know that much, and she accidentally said billion instead of million or this or that. We didn't make her a star. You did. No, 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 you did. She's yours. You own her. Before we go, very quickly, I do need to mention, I guess we'll end on sex, too. We begin on sex. We end on sex. I need to mention Unplanned, the movie. Unfortunately, I've been traveling a lot. I wasn't able to go to the premiere in Hollywood. I've been on the road. I can't wait to go see it. So I'm not talking about the movie itself. I'm just talking about what happened with this movie over the weekend. It took in a whopping $6 million over the weekend. It was rated the number five movie at the box office nationwide. This is a big deal. It is really hard. One, it's hard to get a theatrical release for a movie, period. It's really hard to get a theatrical release for a politically incorrect movie, a movie that does not hold the Hollywood leftist line, which unplanned, a 
essentially pro-life movie, a movie presenting the pro-life arguments, is. That's obviously politically incorrect. It got an R rating. Why does it have an R rating? Because it deals with abortion in a pro-life manner. If it had dealt with abortion in, in favor of that, do you think it would have gotten an R rating? I don't think so. Twitter suspended the movie's account over the weekend. They are doing everything they can to push this thing down. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics on Rotten Tomatoes gave it a 53%. So how did it rake in all that money? Because audiences loved it and they gave it a 94%. By the way, that's how you almost always know when a movie is going to be really good, is when it has a low critic score and a high audience score. That means it's going to be a really good movie, almost all the time. And conversely, when it has a really high critic score and a low audience score, you know it's going to be the worst movie of all time. Look no further than Sans Soleil by Chris Marker. The worst movie I've ever seen. This is the most prominent issue in the country where the media are totally divorced from public opinion. That's what this box office is showing us. The media opinion is totally divorced from the public's opinion. From what we hear in the media, Americans are clamoring to allow people to kill babies as they're being born, or in the case of Virginia, the day after they're born, or two days after they're born. They're clamoring for this. In reality, that is not the case. 79% of Americans oppose third trimester abortion. That's all Americans, nearly 80%. Two-thirds of pro-choice Americans oppose third trimester abortion. Two-thirds of abortion supporters oppose late-term abortion, the vast majority. Obviously, 80% oppose abortion the day before a child's born. How about two days before? How about three days before? The country is overwhelmingly pro-life. The country is overwhelmingly opposed to late-term abortion. The media don't want that story to get out. It's why it's very important not just to communicate on news and politics and commentary, but to communicate through the culture. They've tried to squash pro-life movies in the past. This one seems to have managed to squeak through. So go out and see it. I can't wait to go out and see it when you talk about the movie itself coming up. I'm going to go give a speech tonight at Drew University in Madison, New Jersey. That's why I'm here in the Big Apple yet again. It's going to be a great uh, event with Young America's Foundation. It's The tour rolls on. The topic tonight is identity politics, and we will not be pulling any punches. So check it out. I think we're going to live stream it. So if you're in town, come on by and say hello. Otherwise, I'll see you on the Internet, and I will see you tomorrow. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. And our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio is mixed by Dylan Case. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. Production assistant, Nick Sheehan. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2019. Hey guys, over on the Matt Wall Show today, uh, a bunch of things to talk about. First of all, there's a petition to shut down the speech that I'm supposed to give at Baylor University next week. Uh, it's got over a thousand signatures so far. We'll we'll talk about th- that effort um, today on the show. Also, a bunch of white people on Twitter over the weekend were confessing to their white privilege and talking about all the ways that their whiteness has benefited them. Uh, it's pretty absurd, but also kind of hilarious, I have to say. So we'll talk about that. And finally, a pro-life movie 
uh, came out over the weekend, did very well at the box office, but the powers that be are, are conspiring against it to try to stop people from watching it, including giving it an R rating. And the reason for that R rating is really ridiculous. Uh, so we'll talk about that today as well on The Matt Walsh Show.